Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Okay, let's see here. Today is 29 December. Sunday, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week, and I guess it'll be our last Prophecy Update of the Year for sure, because I'm not coming in again before the end of the year. Uh, let's see here, we got a couple of announcements. Uh, we're going to finish our daily commentary, which is posted every single morning on the Superior Word website. We're finishing 1 Peter, I think, on Tuesday, and then we'll be starting 2 Peter, and uh, so it's a verse-by-verse -verse commentary of the entire uh, book of the Bible, and uh, so I hope you'll join us with that. And then today... Today, the last Sunday of the year, we're finishing the book of Numbers, and that'll be a pretty special sermon, actually, I think. I mean, to me, you know, these things, when it's got pictures of Christ in there, it's always special, but just what that is picturing, if you ever have a, I hate to give away the sermon in advance to the people that want to watch it, but if you ever have a debate whether salvation is eternal or you can lose it, you should probably watch today's sermon, and you will find out from the Old Testament what God says about this particular issue. Anyway, um, it's uh, entitled The Inheritance of Zelophehad. And you wonder why would the Lord end the book of Numbers on that particular passage? You'll find out. It's pretty pretty special. Um, let's see here. We got a couple of visitors. We got Kathy Gilliland back from Ohio. She was here last year and uh, she braved coming down here again this year. And not only that, but uh, she's depressed today because her football team left. It was football, right? Yeah, yeah football. They lost last night. So uh, Ohio somebody, you said? Yeah, Ohio State. Ohio State. Okay, see, I don't know these sports things. So when I see somebody uh, uh, unhappy in their heart, I usually know that it's sports if it's uh, one of those deals. So I'm sorry your team lost, but uh, does that mean they're out for the year or something? I mean, okay, they're out for the year. So Ohio can go uh, pack up their, uh, their uh, helmets and We'll, we'll wish them better next year, okay? How's that? Because I don't know anything about sports. All I know is that in Florida, you get the Florida Seminoles and the Florida Gators, and they hate each other, and that's all I know about football. So, and my dad was a Florida Seminole way, way back in the, the 51 or 52, the first year that it became a co-ed school. And uh, so I imagine the year that that happened, it was probably a big ratio of women to men, which probably didn't break his heart. But uh, now it's, uh, it's a big school, isn't it, Florida State? Oh, okay. Well, what do I know? Anyway, and then uh, we have two other visitors. They said they drove 117 miles to come to church this morning. It's Eric and Teresa Smith from Spring Hill, Florida. And we want to thank you for making this effort. That means a whole lot to us. So I appreciate it very much. Um, we have our first category, as always, is Israel. And let's see here. We have the ICC wants to open war crimes investigation in the West Bank and Gaza. This is really the big story of the week as far as I'm concerned. It's from the BBC. The ICC's chief prosecutor says she wants to open an investigation into alleged war crimes in the Palestinian territories. Her name is Fatou Ben Souda, said war crimes had been or were being committed in the Israeli-occupied West Bank, East Jerusalem, and Gaza Strip, and asked for a ruling on the court's territorial jurisdiction. Israel said the ICC move was baseless. Prime Minister Netanyahu said the ICC, of which Israel is not a member, 
had no jurisdiction in this case and that the decision had turned the Hague-based court into a political tool to delegitimize the state of Israel, which is exactly what it is. In her ruling, Mrs. Bensouda said a preliminary examination had gathered enough information to meet all criteria to open an investigation and that she was satisfied that there was a reasonable basis to proceed with an inquiry. It was not clear when a decision would be made by Ms. Bensuda. She said she had asked the judges to rule expeditiously so that her office, as she says, can take the appropriate next steps accordingly. The ICC has been examining what they say are war crimes committed by Israel since June 2014, one month before a war between Israel and the Palestinian militants in Gaza. In the fighting, 2,251 Palestinians, including 1,462 civilians, were killed, while 67 soldiers and six civilians were killed on the Israeli side. Despite the uh, numbers, there were no war crimes committed. That was already decided many times by various countries, but they want to continue poking this in. Fatou Bensouda asked for a ruling on the ICC's territorial jurisdiction. Mr. Netanyahu described the announcement as an outrageous decision, saying the ICC only has jurisdiction over petitions submitted by sovereign states, but there has never been a Palestinian state. And he is exactly right. They're taking something from people that are not a recognized state, and they're going to bring this against Israel, as the UN and everybody else seems to love to do from the times of Israel. Israel fears, this is why that last article was important, ICC could issue global arrest warrants for top officials. Israel fears the ICC's decision to move forward with a potential investigation into crimes allegedly committed in the Palestinian territories by Israel will open up current and former government officials and military personnel to persecution on the global stage with Israel planning to refuse to cooperate with a potential investigation by the ICC. Officials fear top officers of the defense as well as lower-ranking soldiers could face international arrest warrants. The prime minister, defense ministers, IDF chiefs, and the heads of the Shin Bet security service over the past five years could all face the danger of prosecution. The ICC deals with the prosecution of individuals for alleged crimes rather than states. Now, what this means is if they stay in Israel, nothing's going to happen to them, okay? But if they want to travel, if they want to go on vacation somewhere, then all of a sudden somebody can nab them and say, well, you're under arrest for war crimes when they haven't done anything. This is just a witch hunt party against the people of Israel because the world doesn't seem to like Israel. Anyway, from the Times of Israel, Netanyahu, ICC decision to probe Israel, a dark day for truth and justice. From the Times of Israel, Pompeo, U.S. firmly opposes ICC announcement on alleged Israeli war crimes. From Arachiva Bolton, who I'm not a great fan of anymore, but John Bolton, ICC decision is lawless and unaccountable. From the Times of Israel, Australia rejects ICC Palestinian probe. Germany warns against politicization. I know I blew that completely. Ugh. Anyway, and from Arach Shiva, Netanyahu freezes Jordan Valley annexation plan over ICC probe. So they're freezing one of their intentioned plans, and that will be ended soon, and they'll be annexing things shortly. As a matter of fact, Netanyahu is still asking the president to have them recognize Israel's annexation over those, but for right now, it's being put on freeze. 
from the Times of Israel. Emirati foreign minister tweets report on warming ties with Israel. Netanyahu welcomes detente. We've been seeing this more and more over the past few months as Iran continues to cause more and more trouble. They are Shiites. You've got the Sunni states, which are not happy with what's going on, and they are actually siding with Israel instead of Iran which is rather amazing considering just a few years ago, nobody would have even breathed the thought of this. Prime Minister Netanyahu says he welcomed Israel's warming ties to Arab countries in the region after the foreign minister of the UAE tweeted a link to a news report on the subject. Now, before I go on, I'd like to remind you that these Arab states are not listed as coming against Israel in Gog Magog, whereas Iran and the allies with Iran are. And so you can see that things are shaping up Turkey in the past week has been shaping up with Libya in an astonishing way. If you're following the news, what is coming upon Israel as prophesied in Ezekiel 36 through 39 is coming soon. It, it, it is coming soon. I don't want to be a speculator it's coming in two months or in two years, but it is being shaped up and the, these countries are being aligned right now. Every single week, it seems like it's that much closer. So, and literally... Libya was the one nation that was really in question at the time because they're in turmoil. Gaddafi is out and they've been in a civil war. That is going to end pretty soon, I think. And when that happens, you know, the Sudan will be involved in this as well. And things will really start heating up very quickly against Israel with this coalition. But we'll see where it goes. Uh, going on with this article, I welcome the closer relations between Israel and the many Arab states. The time has come for normalization and peace, Netanyahu tweeted. Earlier, the UAE's Abdullah bin Zayed al-Nayan tweeted a link to a story in the UK's Spectator titled... Islam's Reformation, an Arab-Israeli alliance, is taking shape in the Middle East. So this guy is actually tweeting something like that openly. The story covered the changing geopolitical landscape in the Middle East and the realization of many Arab figures that Israel could be an important ally against Islamism and Iran's expansionism in the region, as well as a potential partner for trade and security. So there you go with that. Interesting. From the Times of Israel... Past decade saw over a quarter million immigrants to Israel from 150 countries. Now, it's a lot of immigrants. It's a great boon to the state of Israel, but not just in population and, uh, you know, people that are really intelligent that will add to the society, but they are adding in continuously people from countries where they speak the native language of those countries. They have 150 countries and imagine every one of those people speaks the native dialect of that country. So it's not just something that was in the past and all of a sudden they're speaking Hebrew and they've forgotten their old languages. Israel has a resource of knowing languages of every nation on this planet by native speakers. And that is a giant help. If you know the United States has people from the uh, Defense Department, the military that learn languages and they go overseas and they listen to people and they figure out what they're doing. And uh, it, it is a great asset when you can know the language of another country. But these people that are trained in America generally are not able to speak fluently. So they can go out and they uh, can understand what's going on. They can do intel, but they can't get into covert operations where as these people from Israel can. And that's a huge asset. So you wonder how the Lord was going to make Israel the nation that it is today. 
Well, he separated them over the world for rejecting his son. They've been in, uh, you know, uh, punishment all of these years, but he's gathering them back as he promised he would, and they're bringing in all of that information with them. Wonderful stuff to consider. Anyway, the closing calendar year, some saw 34,000 immigrants alone, marking the largest annual figure in the past decade. Some 66,800 people emigrated from Russia over the last 10 years more than any other country. It was followed by Ukraine, France, the U.S., and Ethiopia. Immigration from France peaked since 2009 with a third of the French citizens who have moved to Israel since the establishment of the Jewish state doing so in the past decade. A bump was also seen recently in immigration from Brazil with some 200 people from the largest South American country arriving to Israel per year over the first half of the past decade. Well, in the last five years, the average was 600 per year. Great stuff there. From Haaretz, reversing ban Israel to allow Gazan Christians into Jerusalem, West Bank over Christmas. Last week, I reported on that, that they had said they can't do that. Israel folded over and said, we're going to allow the Christians to come in and do this. So I thought I'd throw that in there for you so you know that Israel does the right things. They may take a while to get there, but they do the right things. From the Times of Israel, Netanyahu thanks Trump after landslide primary win. If you haven't paid attention to the politics, the Likud party had their elections for who are they going to submit as prime minister again against the uh, left, and it was Netanyahu overwhelmingly. So good stuff there. From Christian News Today, a couple things. First, uh, this year that's coming up is 20. 20. Of course, we want to vote for our President Trump in 2020, but besides that, it's kind of an interesting thing as we have, when we speak of perfect vision or eyesight, we say 2020. There you go. So uh, somebody emailed me and she said that uh, this is, uh, why don't we consider this the year of perfect vision? And Lord, open our eyes, in other words. And I will give you a hint as how you can do that, how you can have perfect vision of the Lord. It's called by picking this book up and opening it and then reading it, and doing that again, and again, and again, and again. And while you're driving, you can get an audio Bible and listen to it. Just in the past couple days, uh, I went to uh, the projects, and I listened to the books of Galatians, and Ephesians, and Philippians, and I got home, and I was listening to Colossians, all in just a very short drive down to the projects, to IHOP, and then from IHOP, I came to the Superior Word to uh, work with Sergio and Israel on the uh, camera system, and then after that, I drove home and I had listened to all those books of the Bible. And I actually listened to something that gave me insights into today's sermon. So you'll hear a little bit about that as well. But um, there you go. Open this and you'll have clarity of vision, 2020 vision in spiritual matters if you just simply apply it to your life. Okay. Second thing, and this is really important to me, we have uh, several. Uh, people overseas, especially in Africa, that we support, some in uh, Pakistan and India, but mostly in Africa. And uh, one of them, people are very gracious to help with month by month. The other ones, from time to time, I will mention them. His name is Pastor Oma Silas. He has the Superior Word uh, Satellite Church in Kenya. He's a very nice guy. He does a lot for the community. Uh, they feed children, etc., etc. Um we have been asking over the past year to help them with buying land and then building a church. And a few people came forward and gave enough to buy the land, okay? They still need to build the church. And guess what happened this past week? They've had very bad weather in Kenya. And the church that they are in, which is just 
sawn trees and then they put uh, sheet metal over it and that blew down. They have no church at all right now and they desperately need people to help with that. It would be a good time because they have the money to buy the property that, you know, if they could, instead of rebuilding a really flimsy church, if people could give enough to help them actually build a new church where they could meet and have, you know, the things that we take for granted here in America because they don't. All they have is a dirt floor and they've got, like I said, just hewn trees that are standing up and tied together. And then, uh, so if anybody feels the urge in their heart to help them, I would appreciate that. I try to send them something each month if I can. And uh, at the rate that I send them money, it'll take about 400 years for them to build it. But if everybody was to send in just a little bit, they could build it quickly. So keep uh, Pastor Omo Silas in at least prayer, please. And uh, if possible, help them with uh, getting that church built. First article, CNS, uh, U.S. Cardinal Burke, idol figure of demonic force was introduced at Vatican. Now, when this came out, I did not report on it. To me, it was one of those things that's just typical of the Vatican. They do stuff like this all the time. But the reason why I'm reporting on it now, which is a few weeks later, is because one of the cardinals is actually that upset about it where he's accusing them of idolatry which, you know, in Catholicism, it's not that hard to find idolatry. Uh, they do, you know, for example, worship Mary, but they divide it. They say, well, you have idol dulia and idolatria, and one of them is servicing an idol, which is forbidden, but the other is, you know, doing something less than servicing, which you're still servicing it. So it's idolatry in the Vatican anyway, but this cardinal is this upset about it. In a recent interview on Francis TV Liberties, Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke, an American and a judge at the Vatican's highest court, said that during the October meeting of bishops at the Vatican, a statue, a wooden idol that represents a demonic force, was introduced to St. Peter's Basilica. This is a cardinal saying this now, okay? The Synod of Bishops for the Pan-Amazon region took place at the Vatican October 6th through 27th. Its purpose was to focus on the indigenous peoples of the Amazon, evangelization there, which they don't evangelize, and to foster a greater respect for planet Earth and God's creation. In many ways, the Synod took a strong political turn to promote a green agenda economically and socially. Two days before the official opening of the Synod, a ceremony was held at the Vatican Gardens attended by the Pope and other clerics as well as Amazonians. Pope Francis witnessed an indigenous performance at a tree-planting ceremony in the Vatican Gardens, during which people held hands and bowed down before carved images of pregnant women, one of which reportedly represented the Blessed Virgin Mary. A group of people, including Amazonians in ritual dress, as well as people in lay clothes and a Franciscan brother, knelt and bowed in a circle around images of two pregnant women who appeared to be semi-clothed in the presence of the Pope and members of the Curia. Participants sang and held hands while dancing in a circle around the images in a dance resembling the Pago a la Terria, or whatever, a traditional offering to Mother Earth common among indigenous peoples in some parts of South America. The wooden statues of pregnant women are pagan Pachamama images. They represent fertility and mother nature. They do not represent the Virgin Mary. Even if they did, they shouldn't be bowing down to them. But, you know, here you go with this. At the garden ceremony, Pope Francis received and blessed one of the Pachamama statues. The pagan images and other items were also taken into the church at St. Maria Transpontina and displayed at the foot of the altar. 
So really bad things are happening. I've said this from the beginning with this guy. He is not a good person. He is a very evil man, and he is doing things that even the Catholics are in up in arms about. And that takes a lot of doing, I have to tell you. It really does. And you're an ex-Catholic, so you can say what you're about to yes, say. I can. Gives you a great opportunity to evangelize. That's correct. Because he is so off the, the... He is so off that you can't evangelize. I had somebody uh, just this past week email, and uh, I, I think, I, I sometimes get things mixed up in my head, but I think she found us through the Sergio and Rhoda videos. Okay, and then from there, she said that she was a Catholic, and she eventually got into Mormonism. And yes, and now she's finally getting into the Word of God. And the reason why Catholics were going to Mormonism is something I reported on about two and a half years ago. It's because of all the perversion in the Catholic Church. The people were disaffected, but they found that Mormonism is very similar in how it approaches God as Catholicism. And so it was just a natural shift over there. And I was brokenhearted reading that article to the church because you got people that are going from, what's the old saying, from the fire and the pan into the fire or whatever, okay? And so they're not getting any closer to Jesus Christ. But, you know, if people will just be evangelizing these Catholics and saying what's happening is a natural extension of the already bad theology in Catholicism. So that's a very good point. From the AP, Pope denounces rigidity as he warns of Christian decline. Pope Francis warns that rigidity, meaning sticking to doctrine is what rigidity means, in living out the Christian faith is creating a minefield of hatred and misunderstanding in a world where Christianity is increasingly irrelevant. Francis' message appeared aimed at conservative and traditionalist Catholics, including within the Vatican Curia, who have voiced increasing opposition to his progressive-minded papacy. Their criticisms have accelerated over the past year amid Vatican financial and sex abuse scandals that may have predated Francis' papacy, but are nevertheless coming to light now. Francis issued a stark reality check to the men in the Sala Clementina of the Apostolic Palace, that's a mouthful, acknowledging that Christianity no longer holds the commanding presence and influence in a society that it once did. Well, that's because of their policies. They, they're, you know doing things with children that they shouldn't be doing. They're covering it up. And of course, people don't want to be a part of that. Traditionalist Catholics have denounced Francis' emphasis on mercy and openness to doctrinal wiggle room on issues such as sacraments for divorced and civilly remarried Catholics. They also sharply criticized his recent synod on the Amazon, which called for the ordination of married men as priests and what they considered pagan worship of Amazonian statue of a pregnant woman that was featured during the meeting, which I just reported on. Francis has defended his outlook and priorities as a reflection of the gospel. Bowing down to these idols is a reflection of the gospel. And the axiom that the true tradition of the church is one of continuous discerned path of change. Well, I'd like him to go back and read the Bible once again, where it says, I, the Lord, your God, do not change. He does give us more revelation as time goes by. That's why we had a law of Moses, and then we have the dispensation of grace. It's because Christ came and fulfilled the law of Moses. He is progressively revealing himself to us, but he does not change in any way, shape, or form. He says tradition is not static. It is dynamic, he said. Well, I'd agree with that. Tradition isn't scripture. Tradition has nothing to do with scripture. We've got the Methodists that have the books of tradition, and we've got the you know, Episcopals that do. They've got all of these books of discipline and things like that. That's tradition. That has nothing to do with the reality of scripture. 
Those things can be amended. Scripture cannot. This guy is, he is a wicked person. From Mail Online, German bishops declare homosexuality is normal as the country's church begins controversial review of its teachings on sexual morality. The bishops agreed homosexuality, this is Catholic bishops, agreed homosexuality was a normal form of human sexual identity. Chair of the Marriage and Family Commission made announcement after Berlin talks. It comes ahead of a controversial two-year synodal process by the Germans. There you go. The whole reason why these things aren't working, folks, from the Times of Israel. 2019 saw attacks on houses of worship with alarming frequency worldwide. Christians are now under siege. This is what's happening, and we can expect it to increase and increase. But, you know, happily, we have a hope that transcends this world. If somebody comes in and blows up every church in America, including ours, it doesn't matter. We're all going to be with the Lord as long as we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. So what we want to do is, during our short time here, is get out and tell people about what Christ has done, about the glory that he manifested when he came and he lived out that law that was at odds with us. And then he gave his life up in fulfillment of it so that we can cling to the grace of God in him. So let's get that message out from Islam today. Times of Israel in blow to Turkey. U.S. Congress ends decade-old arms embargo on Cyprus. The U.S. Congress voted to lift a decades-old embargo on Cyprus, defying Turkey by seeking warmer ties at a time of renewed tensions. The Senate approved the measure as part of a massive defense spending bill that passed 86 to 8 and already went through the House of Representatives, with President Trump likely to sign it. The U.S. imposed an embargo on the full island in 1987 with an aim to prevent an arms race and encourage a peaceful settlement between the Greek majority and the Turkish minority. Critics say the step has been counterproductive by forcing Cyprus to seek other partners while Turkey, a NATO member, has stationed forces in northern Cyprus since its invasion in 1974. We'll build on this next week, hopefully, because there's a lot going on with Turkey. There's a lot. Al Arabiya, U.S. Congress passes defense bill with tough measures on Turkey. The U.S. Senate voted overwhelmingly to pass a bipartisan $738 billion defense policy bill, which included the prohibition of Turkey from participating in the American F-35 fighter jet program. It is done now. It was questioned whether it was done or not. It is done now. And called for sanctions on Ankara to be imposed. The bill worsens the already tense relationship between the U.S. and Turkey. We've got 50 nuclear bombs there, and we've got all kinds of bombers and, you know, Inserlik and one other place in Turkey, and it's very tense. And what we need to do, unfortunately, it's kind of a, what do you call it, a, a catch-22. If you are sending people in to get those bombs out of there, it signals that we are done with Turkey and there's going to be a devolvement of the political process very quickly. But if we leave them there... The political process is devolving anyway, and they could go in and they could overrun those bases and get those nukes, and then we would have a major problem. We would have a power that has our nuclear bombs, and what do you do? Go in and take them back over and kill a bunch of Turks? It could be very bad, so we just got to watch and see what happens. But um, the bill worsens the already tense relationship between the United States and Turkey, both members of International Military Alliance, NATO. From Zero Hedge, Turkey to establish military base in Libya as Egypt threatens its own intervention. Interesting that Egypt is not coming against Israel in Gog Magog. Go read Ezekiel 38. And yet, 
Turkey and Libya are, and they're going down and establishing a base. Turkey's involvement in the ongoing Libyan war between Benghazi-based General Khalifa Haftar and the UN-recognized Tripoli GNA government is set to grow. Following a recent military agreement between Turkey and Tripoli, and as far as Haftar's forces threaten attack on any Turkish plane or ship, it's expected the Turkish military will set up a base in the war-torn country. The deal was initially touted by Ankara as primarily for oil and gas exploration off Libya's coast and in the eastern Mediterranean, but was later revealed to include close military cooperation agreements. Addressing the controversial deal in statements made early this week, President Erdogan told a pro-government news channel, we will be defending the rights of Libya and Turkey in the eastern Mediterranean. There are unconfirmed reports in Arabic media that Turkish special forces have landed in Tripoli. But crucially, neighboring Egypt, who has long backed East Libyan strongman Haftar, has condemned the Turkey-Tripoli GNA deal as illegitimate and has even signaled its own military intervention could come. From Yeni Safak, Erdogan, Putin, to discuss sending military support to Libya in January meeting. So Putin is involved in this too. Surprise, guess who else is coming against Israel in Ezekiel 38? Turkish President Erdogan and his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin are set to discuss the possibility of Ankara dispatching a military support to the United Nations recognized government of Libya during their meeting scheduled for January. Russia supports any efforts and individual countries in terms of finding solutions to the crisis, said Kremlin spokesman Peskov. Khalifa Haftar, who leads forces in eastern Libya, is not a legitimate leader and is representative of an illegal structure, Erdogan said after meeting in Istanbul, Prime Minister of Libya's GNA with him. So there you go. We've got all of these things going on. Russia's been kind of on both sides of this fight for the past few months. We've reported on that. They've had Haftar up in the Kremlin and they've supported him down there. And then they're supporting. They don't care which one wins. Russia does not care. All they care about is getting in there and controlling the oil of the Middle East. Okay. We have pulled out of there. We're not in any presence at all right now. We're watching what's going on. And so Russia is just kind of playing both sides. Turkey is against Haftar. And so eventually it looks like because uh, Egypt is aligned with Haftar that there is going to be something, a match that lights a flame. And we'll see where it goes. Okay, it's just very interesting. From Al-Arabiya, Egypt's al-Sisi slams attempts to control Libya. President al-Sisi has warned against attempts to control neighboring Libya as tensions grow over Turkey's expanding ties with the Tripoli-based government. State-run newspaper Al-Haram quoted al-Sisi as telling journalists the previous evening, we will not allow anyone to control Libya. It is a matter of Egyptian national security. From Newsweek, Russia and Iran get closer on security and Syria after U.S. vote to punish them. There's the fifth player in it. You got Iran included, and guess what? They're coming down against Israel. From Mongolia today, from Xinhua, marmots. Anybody know what a marmot is? Yep. Okay, Mongolia seizes 270 dead marmots. This is important news. 
Police seized a total of 270 dead marmots from a vehicle which could have spread the deadly bubonic plague. Mongolian National Police Agency. The dead marmots were found last week in a vehicle heading to the capital city of Ulaanbaatar from the western Mongolia province of Hovd. A couple died of bubonic plague in the western Mongolian province of Bayan Ulgi in late April after eating raw marmot meat. Since then, the Asian country has been intensifying efforts to prevent bubonic plague. If that gets into uh, Ulaanbaatar, it's going to be disastrous. The plague is a bacterial disease that is spread by fleas living on wild rodents such as marmots. The disease can kill an adult in less than 24 hours if not treated in time, according to the WHO. So what sounds like a funny title at the beginning turns out to be rather serious. Daniel 12 Technology from Asia Times. Robots humble U.S. Army in war games. How big a difference does it make when you reinforce foot troops with drones and ground robots? You get about a tenfold increase in combat power, according to a recent Army war game. We reduced the risk to U.S. forces to zero, basically, and still were able to accomplish the mission. According to a special report, that mission involved dislodging a defending company of infantry, about 120 soldiers, with a single platoon of just 40 attackers on foot. That's a task that would normally be assigned to a battalion of over 600. 40 men are able to now do what 600 used to do. In other words, instead of the minimum 3 to 1 superiority in numbers that military tradition requires for a successful attack, Belanger's simulated force was outnumbered 1 to 3. When they ran the scenario without futuristic technologies using the infantry platoon as it exists today, that did not go so well for us. But that was just the warm-up, getting the captain and his four human subordinates familiar with the Army's OneSAF software. That's a complex physics-based model so fine-grained it can assess whether an individual simulated soldier is killed, wounded, or unscathed in any given attack. OneSAF also strictly limits the amount of information each human player gets. They only know what their simulated soldiers on the battlefield could, so it replicates the fog of war, if not the fear. War game organizers then added dozens of unmanned systems to the simulation. The immediate impact was on what Bellinger and his team could see. Instead of being limited to the immediate field of view of their simulated soldiers, they could send the drones ahead to scout. Instead of being able to engage the enemy about 500 meters away, not quite a third of a mile, or less in dense terrain like a jungle or city, they could spot and attack them from more than three miles away. It was awesome to be able to increase that zone of where we knew exactly what was going on without being right on top of the enemy. We were able to pretty much control the amount of area that probably a battalion minus would have been able to control with just one platoon. That's pretty astonishing. Well, I'll give a hats off to one of my friends. His name's Mike. I uh, mined gold up in Alaska with him back in, uh, I think it was 1998. And uh, I don't want to give his last name, but he won not the Medal of Honor, but the one below it, the Silver Star, I think is what it is. He was a platoon all by himself. He went in there and he had a bunch of men under him and they were all shot. And he kept bringing them out one after another after another. He was shot so many times and he kept bringing these people out and bringing them out. He was captured and uh, they took away his gun, but they forgot to check him for his knife. He grabbed the knife and he 
killed the guy next to him. The guy on the other side stabbed him with his uh, bayonet. And he said, the most painful thing that ever happened to me was when that guy, I killed him with the gun that I took off of this guy that was dying. I shot him in the head and the, the gun cantilevered and the bayonet went and cut all up inside of him. This is one hardy guy. This is a person that I, every time I think of him, I think of what humans can do. He was his own platoon all by himself and he was given credit for saving all of the men under him that were not killed. It was, it was just, you know, when I read the citation, it was just humbling. I wept when I read that. Anyway, there you go. Revelation plagues today. KTLA5. CDC, at least 1,300 people have died from the flu so far this season. Okay? That was on 13 December. Mail Online, 21 December, seven days later, CDC warns flu season is hitting the country harder this year with 3.7 million cases already reported and 1,800 deaths. Seven days later, 500 people have uh, gone their way. Get to know Jesus before you get the flu this year, okay? (laughs) According to their latest flu report, the CDC estimates that there have been at least 3.7 million flu illnesses. Among those, some 32,000 have required hospitalization, while another 1,800 have died as a result of the flu. We were praying for John Holler, who does a prophecy update up north just, uh, what, two weeks ago? He made it through. As of December 20th, the CDC reports that there are 19 states that are experiencing high levels of flu activity. Right here? I haven't seen any myself, but who was it? Oh, we were at IHOP yesterday, and who was it? Oh, I can't give her name, but uh, her sister was, uh, that's right, she was there, and she said, everybody has the flu, and so she says, I'm not going to visit my sister because I don't want the flu when I fly back to where I'm going, and that's all I can say about that, but wonderful human that uh, uh, serves the Lord in a capacity overseas, and she does a marvelous job of it, and she is here for a little R&R in the meantime. From BBC, African swine fever, fears rise as virus spreads to, here it is, Indonesia, Indonesia has become the latest Asian country to face an outbreak of African swine fever, a deadly pig virus devastating farmers across the region. The country's agricultural ministry said nearly 30,000 pigs have died from the disease in North Sumatra. The virus is expected to wipe out more than half of China's pig herd this year. Australia has grown increasingly concerned, stepping up biosecurity measures to keep swine fever out. The virus is particularly robust and is able to survive for seven days without a host and for months in frozen pork products. Bad stuff there. From Watchers, cosmic radiation around us reaching record high levels as the sun sets space age record for most days without spots. Yes, no sunspots means more cosmic radiation. The sun's magnetic field weakens during solar minimums, allowing deep space cosmic radiation to flood the solar system. Okay, won't harm you at all, but just so you know. Okay, morality. Well, you never know. You go out and you get too much sun at Turtle Beach and you get what I had last year. Is, uh, what uh, Was it this year? It was this year. Skin cancer, okay? So you got to watch that kind of stuff. But And that probably is an increase with this. That would be my guess. Anyway, morality. Investment watch. Destruction of the family. The U.S. has the highest rate of children living with a single parent in the entire world. The United States of America. And you know, this came from, it came from the U.S. government. We see it every single week in the projects. It started there and it became a fad after that. But the U.S. government rewards people for not being married. They punish them for being married. 
They reward them for having more children when they are unmarried, and it just grows exponentially. And this is the problem, is the U.S. government gets their fingers into everything. They did a, I, I don't think I reported on this in the Prophecy Update, but I think I talked about it during a Bible study or something, or maybe at IHOP. I, anyway, the reason why there's so many people that are overweight in America is because of the U.S. government. The weight of people has gone up steadily since they imposed their standards of health back in the 70s. It's proven. They've got the, the graphs to show it. And it's because not everybody is built the same. Everybody is built differently. We all have to eat what works for us. But the U.S. government failed to see that. And they made these standardized, this is good for everybody. It's required in all of your foods. Look on the back of your package and it'll tell you that. And since that was initiated, they did the study. And every single year, the people have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, I was talking about uh, this with some friends. It must have been at Bible class because somebody else said the same thing. Um, that when I was in sixth, actually first through sixth grade was elementary school. And we had one person, I won't give his name because he's probably still living here in Sarasota, but he was the only child that we would consider fat in that entire school. And how do I know that? Because he got picked on all the time and he was not a big guy by any stretch of today's standards. He was not big. And yet that was the only one. Everybody was thin and we were all running around and being, you know, healthy. But then they introduced those things. And even in high school, people started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now they're just big people everywhere. This is not your fault if you have too much weight on you. This is U.S. government's fault. And you need to get away from those standards and eat what is right for you as an individual. Okay. And don't eat too much. He wasn't fat. He was husky. He was husky. That, that is a good word for him because he was husky. But what a nice guy, and he got abused by everybody. Anyway, yeah, it is terrible. Okay, anyway, Fox News. ACLU calls for tampons in men's room in order to achieve menstrual equality. Yes, this is ACLU has gone that far over the deep end. From Weasel Zippers, New York City wants its taxi drivers to ask passengers their pronouns. Imagine Ahmed from Syria driving a taxi in New York and saying, yeah, I'm going to ask my passengers their pronouns. It's not going to happen. CBS, transgender worker suing Nike for $1.1 million, cites pronoun abuses. Yes, a transgender former Nike contractor seeking $1.1 million damages from the sporting goods giant for allegedly allowing gender identity-based harassment. According to a civil lawsuit filed this week, Nike and Maine's Brady Group a staffing firm that hired workers for Nike discriminated against computer engineer Jazz Lyles, who identifies as transmasculine and prefers the pronouns they, them, and their. During, Ly yeah, during Lyles' tenure at Nike from May 2017 to September 2018, the engineer was repeatedly misgendered by coworkers, the complaint said. While Lyles notified management about the issue multiple times, the companies allegedly failed to implement any policies, procedures, and trainings around the use of gender pronouns in the workplace. Nike declined to comment on the lawsuit, but said the company is committed to a culture of diversity, inclusion, and respect where everyone can succeed and realize their full potential. Now, there's a real problem with this, is that if you have 50 different people in a company, and they're all nuts, and they all want their own pronoun, you have to remember all the pronouns for all 50 people, or you're misgendering, and then you can be sued. This is the level of absurdity that we have come to in this nation today. But Yeah, Nike does deserve it. I agree with that. And I was thinking the same thing while I was reading that, but I'm glad you said it. I don't wear shoes, so it doesn't matter to me, but yes, they do, they do deserve it. From Christian News, 
Texas judge sues after being issued warning for declining to officiate same-sex ceremonies, providing referrals instead. I'm glad she's doing this. I talked about her when they, uh, you know, uh, they got against her because of this, and they said, we're going to write up these reports on you and all this. All this is because you can have anybody marry you in almost any state in America. I mean, there are 10 billion different people that will marry you. You can have judges do it. You can have notary publics do it. If you want to marry somebody, you want to be the officiator, just go pay $25 online. You can get ordained as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And then you can get your ordination certificate mailed to you for an extra $3 in one day. And now you can marry anybody, okay? All this is is an attempt to shut Christians up. That's all it is. This lady does not have to marry anybody. She does it because she's a judge and people are trying to get down on her when they could go right across the hallway and have 20 different people in the same office do it and she'll even refer them for free. But this is to get Christians to shut up. That's all it is. This is an attack against Christianity. I'm glad she's doing this. From our other category, Zero Hedge. Virginia activates official militia after gun confiscation threats. Lawmakers want to make this a felony. Okay, I said I was going to talk about this last week. I need to. This is the critical issue in the United States of America right now, and it's going to take start taking effect in three days. It's the 29th, 30, 31, the 1st. The 1st of January, this is going to start taking effect, and we are going to see who is going to back down first. We're going to see. I, I don't know who, but we're going to see. We talked about this at lunch yesterday. Tazewell County is taking this threat to the Second Amendment very seriously. Not only did they pass a Second Amendment sanctuary resolution, but they've also officially begun to form a militia. County Administrator Eric Young explained why the county has opted to form a militia. Our position is that Article 1, Section 13 of the Constitution of Virginia reserves the right to order militias to the localities, not to the state, to the localities, okay? Therefore, Counties, not the state, determine what types of arms may be carried in their territory and by whom. So, we are ordering the militia by making sure everyone can own a weapon. Thus, if anyone from the states tries to remove the sheriff from their elected office because they refuse to enforce unjust laws, those state officials will be faced with a lawful militia composed of citizens within the state. This article explains the extensive training being offered by Tazewell County to its citizens in order to make sure everyone is act acting safely and responsibly. It's probably no coincidence that at the same time militias are forming, there's also a bill to make them illegal. SB 64 has caused a huge hullabaloo. They predicted how rural Virginians would respond to their gun-grabbing shenanigans. The plan all along was to confiscate guns and turn any organized resistance into a felony. But the Constitution allows them, so passing a bill doesn't do anything. They've got to amend the Constitution, and that is not going to happen, okay? We'll see where this goes. American Military News. 86 of Virginia's 95 counties declare themselves second amendment sanctuaries 86 of 95 and that was earlier in the week it may be more just over 90 percent of virginia's counties have already passed resolutions designating themselves second amendment sanctuaries since democrat lawmakers won control of the state's legislature on november 5 and have vowed to bring strict gun control to the state some 86 of Virginia's 95 counties have adopted language intended to deprioritize the enforcement of new gun laws. 
Another 15 cities and towns have also brought up their own sanctuary language in anticipation of new gun laws proposed by the Governor Northam and the newly Democrat majority set to take control in 2020. The sanctuary movement has largely been advanced with the advocacy of the Virginia Citizens Defense League and other smaller gun advocacy groups. The NRA has reportedly been rather quiet about the movement unfolding throughout its home state of Virginia. Wisely so, I would say. Let the little guys act until necessary and then you step in. Okay, but I think they've done the right thing so far. But this is, in my, my thoughts, and I could be wrong, but this is the most critical thing that is facing the United States of America at this point in history, is what's happening in Virginia right now. This will determine what's going to happen with other states, and it's going to determine it rather soon. Zero Hedge, mass shooting in Chicago, house party leaves 13 wounded. Where's the media outrage? An overnight mass shooting in Chicago's South Side left 13 people wounded, four in critical condition on Sunday morning, a week ago. Fred L. Waller, chief of the Chicago PD's Patrol Bureau, said shot spotter technology, gunshot detection software operating across the city detected and recorded the shooting around 12.35 a.m. Waller said the shooting was an isolated incident. He said a dispute occurred inside a South Side home when shots rang out. It's isolated from the other 45 shootings that happened on the same night, by the way. As people fled the house, another shooter was picking people off from an outside location. If this was anywhere else in the United States of America, this would have been on the news 24 hours a day, and it would still be going today. It would still be going. Okay? So... Waller said three separate types of shell casings were found in and around the home. From outside, definitely there was two different shooters. It looked like they were just shooting randomly at people as they exited the party. He said two people are being questioned in connection with the shooting. One of the suspects was carrying a revolver when detained. So far this month, 22 homicides have been recorded with 116 people shot in one month. Of those shot, 15 died from their injuries. The epicenter of 2019 homicides has been based in Austin, Garfield Park, and Englewood communities. A shocking 80.5% of the shooting victims and homicides this year have been African Americans. And so it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference because they don't matter. Also, Hispanics and 13.3% and 4.9% white. If it was the other way around, that's all you hear on the news all day. But black lives don't matter. That's what they're saying with these statistics. Uh, this mass shooting fails to hit the mainstream media's headline. Simply put, it does not suit the narrative of white males killing everyone with guns. Zero hedge. Sorry, Dems. U.S. employees are the world's happiest. Yeah. And by the way, I'm the happiest of all happy. I want you to know that the job that I do is the most joyful of all. It's stressful. It takes a lot of hours out of life. There are times where you get frustrated and uh, angry at certain emails and you find yourself talking to yourself in ways you probably shouldn't. But I am the happiest of all the happy and America is the happiest of all the world. According to a new poll by Mindspace, workers in the United States are the happiest in the world. More than 5,000 employees worldwide were questioned with 1,000 people from the United States being surveyed. While assessing workplace culture, respondents were asked about wellness, overall happiness at work, and engagement. Less happy, 73% of the UK, that's kind of a downer, workers said they were happy in the workplace. 
Falling at the bottom of the list, which surveyed five other countries, including the Netherlands, Poland, Romania, Germany, and Israel. Happiness at work among Americans is seemingly congruent with job growth. Oh, oh boy. Huh? In uh, November, the unemployment rate dipped to 3.5% from 3%. CNBC reported on December 6, more over 266,000 jobs were created, besting the prediction of 187,000. But we haven't heard anything about that on the news either because it's Donald Trump who's sitting in the White House. But there you go, happiest people in the world. From Zero Hedge, Report hyped by climate alarmists warned millions dead, nuclear war, and sunken major cities by 2020, three days from today. Yes, 2020. They've got three days for this to be proven true. Is it going to happen? This is, was The Guardian over in England who put this out. Climate change over the next 20 years could result in global catastrophe, costing millions of lives in wars and natural disasters, reported left-wing newspaper The Guardian on February 22, 2004. So there you go. The same doomsayers are saying the same stuff time after time after time. Whatever. Okay, I got a lesser cure for you. Actually, I've got two because they were both good and I had enough space today. They're always good. They're always good, but I have enough space today. There are those that say we don't like work. They're the ones that think Trump is a jerk. We just love what we do. These two don't have a clue. To them, U.S. success is berserk. To be happy at work is a gift. In the U.S., it gives you a lift. The economy's strong, but don't get me wrong. The angry Dems are still quite miffed. Good job, Lesson Kathy. And speaking about happy, once again, I'd like to wish you a happy new year, okay? 2019 has been a great year. I know there's been a lot of trials in people's lives and difficulties. 2020 may be the same, but we have Jesus in our hearts. We have a better hope, okay? But I do pray that 2020 will be a very happy year, a year of vision for the Lord, for each and every one of you. And I would like to thank, as I did last week, every single person that has helped out this ministry. It means a whole lot to us. We could not survive as we do in this church without people that have helped from outside, and yet we've never asked for anything, not once, except for other people. And that is so appreciated. If you knew what that meant to me, and when somebody sends a letter to me and I open it, the first thing I always say is, thank you, Lord, for this person that has helped this ministry. So thank you all. Our irony today, I got a couple of them. They're both Indiana. I call it Indiana Blues. It's funny how these things come in pairs and they always happen in the same week. Anyway, from Fox News, Indiana man calls 911 by mistake and he winds up behind bars. Yeah, Aaron Allman, 48 of Columbus, ended up getting locked up on an outstanding warrant Friday night after he called the Bartholomew County Sheriff's Office's emergency number by mistake. So there you go. It's a little... He's got the Indiana blues. And then the next one from Fox News, Indiana police say man's paper license plate in crayon led to theft arrest. So there you go. Don't do a crayon license plate if you're stealing a car, okay? Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota to Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word. Happy New Year to all of you. And that is your Prophecy Update for the week.